Hello. Hello to all of our listeners. This is Andre. Welcome to Scary Talk. Shannon will not be joining us today, so I will be doing this episode solo. You'll get to enjoy my angelic voice. Today, I have a good one. We are going to be talking about the debug box. Debug box. I hope I'm saying that right. If you guys have not heard about this, this box, this alleged haunted box, demonic box, um, is actually the inspiration for the 2012 movie The Possession. Um, uh, turns out the box is real. It's a real thing. Um, the way this story starts is with an item that was um, originally put up for sale on eBay by a man named Kevin Manis back in September of 2001. Um, this item uh, was eventually sold to a couple more people, so it passed hands a lot, um, given its nature, actually, precisely because of its nature, because it was so um, uh, demonic and dangerous to have. Uh, that's why it passed around so much. So to really get into the nitty-gritty, this man, his name is Kevin Manis. He bought this box. Kevin Venice is an antique store owner, so that should be noted. He was, um, when he was at garage sales, he would look for, well, interesting antique items to probably resell at his shop. So one day, Kevin Manis uh, bought this box, this little uh, cabinet. Technically, uh, the Dibbuk box is a Jewish wine cabinet. It's the small... Um, what would it be like two feet tall by three feet wide wine cabinet wooden one one cabinet um he bought this from an estate sale um from a woman who was originally from poland who had died at age uh 103 <laughs> so um apparently the granddaughter of this woman who owned the box, the cabinet, was um, having this sale and had put this item up for sale. Kevin saw it and uh, he purchased it. However, um, he later learned that the box um, was a family heirloom, so he actually tried to give it back to the person who sold it to him, the granddaughter of this 103-year-old grandma. Um, but the woman actually asked him to keep the box. They did not want it. Um, she mentioned that her um, grandmother always kept the box stashed away and would not let anyone near the box. So, Kevin, you can have it. Um, so Kevin took the item back to his um, antique store. He uh, refurbished it. And uh, one day when he left the shop uh, on an errand, he um, he got a call from a salesperson uh, frantically telling him that someone in his shop was swearing and smashing things and like screaming. Um, so Kevin, Kevin Manis returns to his shop to um, check and he finds the lights in his basement uh, were broken. His room was filled with the stench of cat urine um, and this employee was never heard of again. So... <laughs> <laughs> things are getting weird um no i think i should give some background so the debug box what is a debug right if that's how you're supposed to say it what is a debug so 
in um, Jewish mythology, a uh, a dibuk, D Y B B U K, is um, apparently a an evil spirit that um, some people believe to be a kind of lost soul. So if you die and for some reason you don't pass into the next realm and you become stuck here, um, you become a lost soul. You become trapped in either a place or an object in this case in this in this case a specific object the box the wine cabinet uh, and you remain here until someone helps you be released and pass on to the next realm so um, apparently the word dibuk comes from uh, ancient hebrew and it means to cling so that fits now what happens kevin becomes freaked out by this and he decides not to finish retouching the box refurbishing the box instead he just cleans it and he gets ready to give it to his mom as a birthday present um his mom comes to the shop the two of them go out for lunch this is all according to manis's account and uh at that point manis gives his mom the box and uh manis then leaves to make a phone call when he returns um, because an employee is signaling to him that something is wrong. He sees his mother sitting in a chair, expressionless and crying and unresponsive. She was immediately rushed to the hospital and um, turns out that she had had a stroke and could not speak. And she actually couldn't speak for a period of time there. Um, during that time that she couldn't speak... Um, According to Manis, she spoke only using a spellboard, which um, she'd used to point letters to spell out words to Manis. And uh, apparently, this is according to his account. Again, when he asked her, and by the way, I should mention that his account was, um, this will come into play later, but Manis's account is, we get this account from the product description that this item, this debug box had when he put it up for sale on eBay months after he got it. He, along with the like product, in the, within the product description was a storyline, basically, of, like why he wanted to sell it, um, which you would think would drive sales down or like potential bidders down, but it's the opposite, actually. <laughs> anyway, so according to him. Um, his mom was using this spellboard to talk to him, and um, when Manis asked her how she was doing one day, she spelled out "quote unquote" no gift. Uh, when he said when he said that he had um, uh, when he was asking his mom if she was referring to the gift that he had given her that time that they went out to lunch, she emphasized "quote unquote" on the spellboard hate gift so her mom was not fond of the box let's just say that um so manis then gives the box to his sister right so this is the next person that gets um their hands on this box on the dipbook box the sister kept it for one week only and gave it back um manis kevin manis then gives this box to his brother and the brother's wife they kept it for three days and then returned it to Kevin. The brother said it smelled like jasmine flowers, and his wife said it smelled of cat urine. And these are two smells that are going to come into play later too, or rather, they're patterns. They're they are, th these smells are repeated across accounts. So that's an interesting thing to note. Kevin then, really trying to get rid of this box, gave the box to his girlfriend, 
who um, very soon asked him to sell it for her. Apparently, Kevin was then able to sell this box that he had given to his girlfriend and previously given to his brother and his brother's wife and previously tried to give to his sister and before that tried to give to his mom. <laughs> he was eventually able to sell this to a middle-aged couple and three days later found the box sitting in the front of his shop with a note saying, quote-unquote, this has a bad darkness. So, things are getting tricky for Kevin. <laughs> He cannot get rid of this box. Now, Kevin takes the box home, right? He can't. I, I mean, in case this wasn't clear, um, this is this is allegedly a, a true story. This is what I'm recounting here for you guys, a, a, a true story. I know it sounds very, um, I, I, I don't know. I can hear my narration style being a little uh, um, fiction-like, but this is allegedly a true story, and I'm merely recounting this. So Kevin takes this box home, right? And uh, while he had the box at home, he began to have nightmares in which he was walking with a good friend. And then according to him, he would look into the friend's eyes in the dream and he would see something evil looking back at him. The uh, friend would turn into this gruesome, demonic, like witch woman that would then beat him. And he would wake up with bruises and scared, basically. He'd wake up with marks on his body. Uh, when Kevin's sister, brother, and his brother's wife came to stay the night one time, all of them had the same dream, according to Kevin's account. It turns out Kevin's girlfriend had the same dream when she had had the box. So th this dream of like walking with a friend and then the friend being this evil hag demon that beats you up. Apparently the sister, the brother, and the brother's wife they stayed the night at Kevin's house once. They all had the same dream. So, there's that. Kevin also began to see shadow creatures in the home, according to him. And so did the visitors. His brother, sister, all, all of the people. He then tried to put this box in a storage unit outside. But uh, the fire alarm would go off in the unit, of course. When he investigated, there was never any smoke, but there was always a smell of cat urine. So this, again, this very distinctive smell of cat urine, uh, which at some point also permeated his house. So now his house also smelled like cat piss. Um, he took the box into his house once again, <laughs> since he couldn't leave it in the storage unit because the fire alarm kept going off. And um, he says that he began searching the internet for information about the box. He, um, one time he fell asleep and he had a nightmare and woke up in the middle of the night to the feeling of someone, quote unquote, breathing on his neck and uh, to the smell of jasmine flowers. So he woke up in the middle of the night, he felt someone was breathing on him and his room smelled like jasmine flowers. So at this point, Kevin, being desperate, decides to just put the thing up on eBay, hoping someone who is more interested in the paranormal or isn't scared of it or just something, that someone will take this fucking box off his hands. And someone does. In June of 2003, so a bit, I mean, he bought on 2001, September of 2001. So, you know, he, he, he got stuck with it for a while. In uh, June of 2003, uh, the box was sold to a uh, college student named Losiv Nietzsche. And Nietzsche put it back on sale on eBay just eight months after buying it. 
Um, he said that him and his roommates, when he had the box, had all suffered insomnia and different kinds of illnesses, and they had this like persistent feeling of dread. So he tried to sell it back on eBay. Nietzsche was able to sell the box for uh, like 300 bucks to another student named Jason Haxton. So now this third person has the box. And Jason claims to have uh, experienced paranormal activity as well, just like the two people who owned the box before him. He um, also states that the box had an anti-aging effect on him. So this is a new one, and this isn't really elaborated in the places that I researched this. Uh, none of them really elaborated upon this, but that was Jason's claim, that the box had anti-aging effects. So it'll curse you, but at least you'll look hot. So there's that. He claimed that, um, Jason claimed that he had experienced welts, hives, all over his body um, when he first got the box, that he even experienced coughing up blood, that he would choke. Um, so all <laughs> but it made him look young. <laughs> um, he, he said that uh, touching the box would put him in this like frightened state that it was awful. Um, he recounted that he would see strange lights and shadows and like figures during the time that he owned the box nevertheless um jason tried to take a kind of academic approach i guess you could say uh to trying to understand this debug box he um would talk to like scientists friends uh or people who were um like wiccans like basically what the article says is that he tried to get people from all kinds of fields, um, people that he knew, to help him decipher whatever this box was and why it was doing what it was doing to him. And so he enlisted the help of um, scientists, uh, weekends, um, paranormalists, I guess. And in doing so, according to him, he was apparently able to contain the force that was within this box and um, have him not like have the box not harm him anymore so he was able to contain whatever was in this box forever uh he said uh he, he said something interesting this this guy justin haxton says something interesting in his like recounting of him owning the box for the time that he did he says that he believes that the box's ultimate goal um is to reveal quote-unquote truth um that what the box really did was just like play off of whoever it came into contact with that the energy within the box was neutral and if this is what he believes then there's no way he could have thought it was a debuck because a debuck would be like an evil demon um apparently he thought that that wasn't it and that whatever was in the box was just this neutral force and really it just adapted itself to whoever it came in contact with which i suppose would explain why some people smell jasmine flowers around the box some people smell cat piss maybe the mean people smelled cat piss who knows so uh, for a time jason um kept the box uh, secure in um, his house in like a den to keep it subdued to keep the energy within it subdued uh, try, try to keep it from escaping um, however he did end up um, selling it so he ended up selling it apparently Zach, uh, Zach Bagans from the show Ghost Adventures this is a popular like well it's a popular ghost show <laughs> he, uh, he ended up buying the box from Jason and he now has it as part of his collection of like paranormal delights 
that uh, he has in a, um, in a museum. This guy has a museum in Las Vegas. So uh, this is super interesting. Uh, according to the article that I read, uh, Zach Bagans will not let the public directly look at the box. However, if you do want to look at the box, you can do so by signing a waiver that says that you free Zach Bagans from all liability if you do become harmed while looking at the box or right after. So <laughs> clearly he believes that it's real or at the very least he's very good at hyping his products um i'm sure that if you went to this guy's museum and found out that the only way you'd be able to look at this box would be by sending a waiver i'm sure you two would then believe in this which i mean in some way like lends this guy credibility so if sack uh bagans doesn't actually believe in the box he is at least very good at selling the idea to the customer that it is real so, do I believe in this? Um, yes, but also what's new? So, strange things happen to all these people. Of course, they could all be lying. Everyone could always be lying about everything. Come on. Um, but I just choose to believe that these people recount something that really happened to them. Um, there are, of course, many people, though, that don't believe that there's anything special about this box. Um, the skeptic's view is that uh, the owners of the box believed that it was cursed, therefore they were kind of primed to believe that something bad would happen to them, so they would attribute, like, they would therefore attribute their misfortunes to the box, to the fact that they owned the box. Chris French, specifically, a, um, a, an anomalistic psychologist at a research unit at Goldsmiths College, uh, said about the box, quote-unquote, that the people who owned the box were already primed to be looking out for bad stuff. If uh, you believe you have been cursed and inevitably you explain the bad stuff that happens in terms of what you perceive to be the cause. Put it like this, I would be happy to own this object. So that's what he said, very ballsy, because <laughs> I would not want to own this object. Um, now, something else that I found really interesting about this is that really the existence of a Dibbuk is kind of sad. <laughs> um, so th this Dibbuk is a malicious spirit. It is the soul of a dead person who couldn't pass into the next realm, who couldn't go up to heaven, basically. Do we know if this person was evil while alive? No. So let's just assume they weren't. They were just a regular person, not particularly evil. Uh, and they die, and for whatever reason, they're not able to pass. And because they're not able to pass, due to that misfortune that isn't necessarily their fault, they become stuck on Earth, eventually attached to an object, and therefore trapped within it, uh, i.e. a wine cabinet. Um, why? Why? <laughs> why? Why can't they pass? Um, and if there's no good reason for it, why not help this spirit be released, right? Like the whole, um, something that the article that I read said was that um, the if, if a debug box is burned, um, the box will take a long time to burn. Interesting fact, I guess. Um, the interesting part, though, is that 
the, the debug box once like fully burned will release the debug within it and uh, the debug cannot be returned to the box however the article that i read painted this as a bad thing as if like if you release this and you burn the box fully and you have nothing to contain it with afterwards then you're fucked because it's gonna haunt you forever or something but um it, it also like the article also mentioned that again a debug is a spirit that couldn't pass and it's trapped and wants to be released and so my question is why is it bad to release it you know i mean i suppose the answer the obvious answer is because well it's gonna haunt you but why what it haunt you i thought it didn't want to be in the earthly realm anymore you see where i'm going with this like i feel like there's a part missing here like is this e is this evil spirit just evil for the sake of it or is it evil because it's resentful that it can pass onto the next realm um because if it's the latter then wouldn't you know actively trying to release the spirit actually be doing it a favor um i just thought that was interesting also, just for clarification, I grossly overestimated the dimensions of the debug box. Um, looking at the article again, apparently the dimensions of the box were 12.5 um, inches by 7.5 inches by 16.25 inches. So those were the dimensions of the Jewish wine cabinet, the debug box. Now, the, the greater concept that I want to touch on with this case, which is really interesting to me, is trapping spirits or demons or ghosts or whatever you want to call it now given demons and just regular human ghosts aren't the same thing but trapping trapping some kind of entity really evil or otherwise that you just don't want around you that's the concept trapping something that isn't a physical entity um this has been going on for a long time so the um in, in ancient Babylonia, the um, the Jews would often uh, use terracotta bowls. Um, they would inscribe them with magical spells. Um, this was like, I don't know, 4th, 5th, 6th century, so a long time ago. Uh, well, since then, I mean, it's not like the practice has died off. It's just that it's, it's really old. So they would use this terracotta bowls inscribed with magical spells to... Um, entrap the devils or the demons or whatever um christians would use these bowls as well um they again write on them in ancient text and apparently this would create some kind of boundary for the spirit they were trying to trap and the spirit would stay there forever um other cultures have similar objects things practices that were meant to ward away spirits um such as the god's eyes of central america um or the like I mean, the Native American like dream catchers are supposed to be a form of that too. So this is clearly a permeating belief, the the concept that you can trap a non-human entity. And I get it. I mean, I get it. If you can't, if this is something that you don't really know how to fight, that you are having a hard time, like, making it go away why not just trap it and keep it in a little box or a jar in your house you know at least <laughs> like you know where it is um kind of close to you now it's kind of scary it's in your own home but at least you can keep a close eye on it which i suppose is better um but like something else the, the other side of that coin is spirits who themselves seemingly decide to like trap themselves into objects like I mean, the famous Annabelle doll of the uh, 
archives of Ed and Lorraine Warren um, or Chucky from Child's Play now, but, but I'm sure there are other examples like that. Um, I mean, this box is one of them. Well, actually, no, I am wrong. This box is an example of someone trying to bind a spirit to an object, but I don't know, like haunted, I've heard of like haunted bracelets. I've heard of haunted dolls. I've heard of haunted homes, you know, like a home as spacious as it is, is still technically an object. And, like, there are spirits that bind themselves to their homes. You know, there's, of course, like, your traditional, oh, well, like, someone died in their home and they had some unfinished business, so now they, like, roam the house. That's not really what I'm talking about. I'm talking more about malicious forces um, that will bind themselves to a house for X or Y reason. Um, and it just makes you wonder why are they trying to merely torment the hosts of this house you know specifically or uh, yeah are they trying to torment the hosts of the house or the users of the doll or the users of the bracelet or whatever or are they i don't know is there some greater purpose to why this specific house why this specific doll why you know and in the end what really what this all makes me think of is just the concept of the afterlife, which I know is like so <laughs> far removed from whatever this episode started as, but um, I love a good stream of consciousness. Um, just what that's like, whether there is one, um, what it feels like in terms of time perception, whether eternity actually feels like eternity or eternity feels like 40 years. Um, and the reason this makes me think of that is I suppose I think what do those malicious spirits who inhabit objects and whatnot like feel or rather what do they do do, do they feel anything even what do they do all day <laughs> what do they do a year is the sole purpose of a malicious spirit to spread malice and evil and mischief also, how does a spirit become malicious? Or forget that. Like, why do some spirits get to go to heaven, if that is the case? And why do others not? I mean, is it really as simple as the heaven and hell analogy? Um, and, and if so, which I guess this this drives a much larger philosophical question. Again, super unrelated to the debug box. Um, if so, if it is if it is as simple as the heaven and hell analogy, like what is this has always been super duper interesting to me. Like, what is the line? Um, is killing someone like evil enough for you to go to hell instead of heaven? Um, well, assuming that you're not a Catholic, right? Because Catholics have like the idea of purgatory, where even if you did some evil things, I guess depending on how evil they were some of them can be absolved by going to purgatory and then eventually you get to heaven so it's like you can pay a prize once you die and still get to heaven but if you're not and there is no you know middle ground there is no like place where you can pay um for your sins if you this is now getting into like very exclusively christian canon stuff but still i just i, I really like the, the question that is driven by this topic, which is, again, where is the line? Is murdering someone evil enough for you to go to hell? I guess most people would agree, yes. But what about um, stealing? Well, what did you steal? But really, should that even matter? Like, should stealing, period, be bad enough? 
well, okay, you can say yes, but then what if you're talking about little five-year-old Timmy who stole, like, gum from the store, you know? Or, um, is, like, I don't know, cheating on your spouse bad enough? Is you kicking a dog bad enough? What about jaywalking? <laughs> um, no, but seriously, I... I... Well, I don't know. I mean, it's really the conclusion. It's It's a very open-ended kind of stream of consciousness podcast and that's that's really it and and that's kind of what i wanted to leave you guys with i know that this was a shorter one but i just really wanted to share the debug box story because i found it so interesting and in a sense i wanted to see where that story took me and where it took me was here to asking these questions and this stream of consciousness and i hope that you liked it if you have any suggestions for future episode ideas that shannon and i could tackle please do leave us a I was gonna say leave us a comment <laughs> I mean technically hi scary talk is on YouTube um, but uh, tweet at us at talk scary again at talk scary um, tweet us your suggestions uh, we read every single one of them because we get like five so we have time um, but speaking of we are again uh, scary talk is on Twitter we are on YouTube a scary talk podcast and we are on all other podcast listening platforms as well so whether you use Spotify SoundCloud TuneIn Stitcher um, Apple Podcasts Google Play we are everywhere just look us up as scary talk podcast and again we are on Twitter at talk scary we do not have an Instagram yet but honestly what will we even put on it pictures of me i mean that is scary but seriously um uh, we are working on our website we are working on our website because we would like to have a place where we can um there's a number of places already that host our episodes but we would like to have shannon and i a a place that is really talk scary brand where you can go to that one place to get all the episodes and all the audios, all the updates, um, and anything else that we might want to upload. And that's why we're working on a website. And we'll keep all of you four people listening um, very much updated on the progress with that. Uh, with that, I will leave you guys tonight. Don't eat any large meals before bed or you will have nightmares. Uh, watch out for any debug boxes. And thank you so much for tuning in tonight. This is Andre signing out. Until next time, my spookies.